Hi, this is Jay Ossing from Twin Peaks The Return. You're listening to Inspirado Projecto. All right. Do you want a microphone, or how do you feel about just talking? What are your thoughts? I can just talk. I can. What are your thoughts? I can do the mic. There you go. Yeah, let's have the voice of God. Let's have the voice of God. Okay. All right. Very good. So uh, I, I thought that movie was really, really cool. Thank you. I love how often it turns into this awesome supernatural thing. Yeah. And it's great how, you know, there he is, just like this, this guy getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of it all, and he has this huge spiritual experience. That's right. And where'd you get that, the inspiration for that? Um, so I was the, just the producer, but Remy, the writer, director, he said um, he said he, he wanted to make it because for, for, with most of many of his friends, or with one friend in particular, um, being of the Caribbean diaspora, which I can relate to because my parents are Jamaican, we never get taught our history. Mm. So our history starts with, well, you guys are slaves in the Caribbean. And that's all we know. And he, from a, for a friend of his, he wanted to, to help him understand that he comes from something more than just that. The history doesn't start with the curriculum at school, you know, the Second World War. There's more to it. There's more to you. Mm-hmm. So that's what inspired him, um, basically. And did, did, so, the, did that story speak to you? It does, yeah. Because I, I, I can, I can relate. You know, we, we, we're from England. But we don't get, we're not included in what's taught at history in history, even though it is British history as well, what happened in the Caribbean. And so I could 100% relate to where he was coming from. It is interesting when we keep tracing the lineage back and back and back and yes. back. You know, we are so much more than whatever this just thing is right here. Absolutely. There's all the DNA, there's all the, all the experiences that our, our relatives had, which is then passed on all their thoughts and their feelings and all that stuff goes all the way down the line. So uh, you helped produce that. As you talked earlier today, you were in the midst of three, well, you had one movie uh, yes. that you were still working on, and then someone came across you and said, hey, yeah. well, I th- want you to help me out with this one. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of other little things happening. We, I'm just finishing one, actually, it's just via early post. We're about to finish it in the next couple of weeks. That one is a little bit um, political because it's a remake of a story um, called The Overcoat, a Ukrainian story, but we, it's, made a bit of a tribute to Oleg Sentsov, the Ukrainian filmmaker. In, was, he was in jail, but he just got released in Russia last week. Yeah, last week. So that was a bit, I'm not sure um, if I want Putin to see my name on that one. Well, you never know when the inspiration is <laughs> going to take you. And plus, there's so many stories that are just untold. Yeah. It's and nobody knows about them until you do tell those stories. just of black British origin can, can get get what's, what's being said and can relate to the story, you know, it's not just particular to us from the Caribbean or whatever. Well, I think anyone who approaches it from a perspective of a, of a being that's outside of just the, inside this like a, this skin filled petri dish, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at it from that perspective, you're going to get a lot more out of it, I yeah, think. Yeah, 100%, definitely. Thank you so much for submitting your films and it's just really cool that you came out to be a part of this thing. Oh, what drew, what, actually, what drew you to this film festival, I met, by the way? I met Shada in Cannes, and she was like, oh, can you submit your films? And I was like, okay, that was it. 
Oh, that's great. Do we have any other filmmakers up there who were, who did any of the films up there? No, you just all here from a world support. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And uh, I'll set up the lights here if you want to take any photos. If you want to take any photos? Yeah, very good, very good. Thank you. down they get that paralysis of analysis it's got to be perfect but man when you follow the process you have no idea where it's going to lead you okay so when you met when you met William Shatner were you the one that came up with the idea for the Priceline campaign no uh, uh, an ad agency did and uh, I had already done some previous work with him and uh, they said uh, well, why don't you work with William Shatner and so I said okay what's the premise and they said well VH1 unplugged uh, we come into a nightclub, there's an Uber band playing on stage, and William Shatner is like doing the, the silly songs and in his spoken word, and they played me some of, some of his uh, earlier albums of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and all that stuff. And I said, I totally get it. So I did all the arrangements, and we picked out all these silly songs like Bust a Move and all that. And then I was assigned uh, as William Shatner's vocal coach, which is a joke unto itself. Incredible. And uh, finally I got him on the phone and I said, look, I, I want to make sure the, the music is in the right key and uh, if I could just work on the phone. He goes, it doesn't matter because I can't sing. And um, so, one, so thing, one thing led to another. It was a hit and they renewed the campaign. We did 20 commercials in two years. And from that point on, I've been working with him. What I think is so beautiful about it is that it's it's so absurd, so unapologetically absurd. There's no irony in what he's doing. It doesn't seem like he's even, you know, because sometimes you could see something and there's that self-awareness in people. He, it seems like he's just so right into it. Well, his whole thing is he learned he could, he, he said he couldn't sing, but he could do spoken word. And if he could do the lyrics in a Shakespearean read, uh, that would suffice. Did you say Shakespearean read? Yes. Yeah, he was a, he was a Shakespearean trained actor. I never knew that. Oh yeah, he comes from Canada. He's, he's a serious actor. If you look up, uh, what is it? Uh, God, there was a great movie, The Nuremberg Trials. William Shatner plays a serious great actor. Oh wow, goes way back. Wow. Did okay. So what kind of Shakespeare plays did he do? I don't know. He was Shakespearean trained in, in drama school and all that, but uh, don't discount Twilight Zone. Oh, yes, that, yes. That famous episode oh, yes. where he's on oh. the plane? Well, yes, and he was also in the episode where they, it was like those strange little fortunes that would pop up, and he and his, he and his girlfriend were just there because she would ask a question, and then little, and they'd put another dime in it or whatever, and it would pop up with this thing. Do you remember that one? I, I vaguely remember it. I just remember the one where he's on the airplane. He sees oh, a yeah. monster out the window. With the crazy gremlin guy. Yeah. And it was crazy, too, because Leonard Nimoy was in a Twilight Zone episode. Uh, a lot of them were. Uh, a lot of them were. Yeah. It's so cool how a lot of those guys got their career on there. Well, I've, I've learned a lot from, from Bill, and uh, I'm still learning. He's eight, 88 years old, and he's exhausting to be around. <laughs> what, is he, does he just have a lot of energy? He has a lot of energy, and uh, he's an equestrian. He, he competes in horse oh my gosh. Uh, competitions. He just won first place a couple months ago. and. Yeah, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. 
It's incredible when you hear about this information about, like when you hear about, does he paint? Does he paint too? I somehow get this because a lot of these guys. Paints, but uh, no, he's he's a reader. He, I, meaning he reads a lot, and he's a writer, producer, director, and our company we're de- developing all kinds of projects right now. I love the fact that he's just a go-getter. You know, it sounds like he's just willing to riff ideas with you yeah. and go. Okay, well, let's see where can this thing go. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's a go-getter. How many? So, do you, what are your brainstorm sessions like with him? Uh, pretty crazy because he's so well read. You can talk about any subject, and he'll just go off on a subject. So, uh, I really can't talk about what we're developing right oh, yeah, now. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a combination of comedy and drama and history and pathos and. Uh, philosophy. Uh, I, I mean, you're dealing with a Renaissance mentality. Well, you're a Renaissance man yourself, from what you, you've been telling me, or at least that's the way I would describe you. Have you done any acting? No, no, no acting at all. So you've mostly done a lot of music. What were some of the original instruments you started on? Oh, trumpet, classical trumpet, guitar, keyboards. And then did you just start, um, like, for instance, do you have some secret albums in the archives that no one's heard? No, I, I was in a group for a while, but we never got a record deal. So. What was the name of your group? Stuart Little Band. That's great. That's great. So, so you guys made some songs, but you, di- you, didn't, you didn't play any... Did you, you we played were, places? We were a live act. We, we were in San Francisco. We were a San Francisco band, and we opened for everybody at that time. From Who were some of the really nice uh, musicians that you opened for that you got a really good kick out of? Uh, Van Morrison, Santana, Chicago, David Bowie, uh, uh, Sarah Vaughn, Dizzy Gillespie. What? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. This back so, in the 70s. So were a lot of these guys, you know, people that you were already inspir- you know, inspired by and you had heard and you go, oh my gosh, we're, we're sharing the same bill with these guys. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a, that was a really special time during the 70s, late 60s. So you were saying earlier that you, you know, you also like to spin a lot of plates. I like to spin a lot of plates and try to keep my sanity intact yes. in the process. Yes. The, the idea is to spin as many plates as you can and don't crash. That's right. That's and right. get your sleep. You know, That's eventually right. you're going to need to get your sleep. So. Well, what's fun is once the, the plates start spinning, all it takes is just a little, chip, a little nudge every once in a while then, right? That's right. Because right. it's got its own momentum. That's right. And um, I just highly recommend it. Uh, don't get stuck in a day day gig, you know. Just work night and day as long as you can, and then something's going to kick in. So you know, sometimes uh, parents they want to tell their kids, "Oh, go be a lawyer, go be a doctor, don't be an artist, don't be a musician." Oh, that's so tough, that's so difficult. What was it like for you with your upbringing? Uh, I was well. I was brought up in music, so I went to a conservatory of music, and and then about halfway through, I realized. I wanted to be a professional musician, but the conservatory wasn't training me to be a professional musician. And there were no courses or curriculums to uh, guide me. So I just got asked to join a band, and I left, and uh, the rest is history. It's incredible. So since you were a little kid, you were always just into it, huh? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been so cool. Uh, Scott Leggett? Liggett. Liggett. Scott Liggett. Thank you so much. This has been so cool. Thanks thanks for being on Inspirato Projecto. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. How you doing? Hello. 
Hi. I'm Kurt. Maybe? Nice to meet you. Uh, I spoke to Chris earlier. You said we should sign up for a podcast slide. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Here, take one. That was amazing, huh? Uh, are any of the uh, filmmakers here in the audience? Any of the actors or any of the folks? Yeah, come on down. Come on down. I'm going to ask you guys some questions. I'll, you guys, I'll let you guys uh, pass around the... Uh, oh, here, actually, you can use this one. There we go. There we go. Testing one, two, three. Come on, Ruby girl, get down there. So, uh, that, that was really, really cool. Where was that shot? Uh, it was shot in North Carolina, mostly in Charlotte and, uh, uh, was it Wellington? Yeah, Wellington. And we, and it, we actually shot during the when the hurricane hit Wilmington last year. Um, and so we literally had to take a break in the middle of filming uh, because it was raining so hard. And the place where I was staying in Charlotte uh, had a little like creek in the backyard. And like every day I would get up and I like look back there and make sure it wasn't about to flood the house because the water was like, it was like an itty bitty creek, but it was like four feet high, just rushing water every day. And then um, we were supposed to film in Wilmington. We had to take a break because the hurricane was hitting Wilmington. And then we went out there to film finally. And it was just a, it was a mess because there was just, everything stunk and there was just debris everywhere. So hold on, did you, did you put, are you the director? Did you no. write this? No, I know no, I saw Pat, you act in it. Pat's, uh, we're all actors, but uh, Pat is, uh, who's played the main character, the Irish guy, Terry. Yeah. Terry Lockerine, um, he's the director. Uh, but he's in North Carolina, so he wasn't able to make it. I thought the acting was great. Everybody was committed to their characters. I thought it was phenomenal. Thank you. Um, I'll let one of these other actors talk. But uh, Yes, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, actually. Yeah, I'm Josh yourself. Murray. I played the Dark Stranger. Awesome. My name is Jason Wesley. I played Hernandez. My name is Ezekiel Ajabi, and I played Lamar Boyd. Very good. How, how did you guys hear about this? How did, like, how did you come across it? Uh, the casting? Yeah, um, my agent and uh, so some of us. I mean, you know, uh, the film community in Charlotte is pretty small, and so you know, Pat knew a lot of different people in the industry, and you know, kind of organized things that way. I'm not quite sure how you guys came. I was walking down the road, and this guy was in the alley. And he's like, Psst, "I've got a job for you." Happens to the best of us. <laughs> no, actually, um, it's interesting, Pat. And I did a film years ago together that we were acting in, and um, he really liked working with me as I did him. And um, there were some unfortunate things that happened with the film, and it never came out, and it was very depressing. But a couple of years later, um, he hit me up and he said, um, I'm writing this pilot, I'm producing my first project. And he was like, I can, there's this bad guy I'm writing. And he's like, I just keep thinking about you when I'm writing it. And I was like, but you read the script, and I read it, and I was like, yeah, I have to play him, so. It's cool, I like how it ends on, on a cliffhanger. Like, you don't know what the heck's gonna happen next. And what's so awesome, too, is that there's, you know, the, the phrase showing without telling. There's there's a lot of sh showing without telling, so it leaves a lot of question marks in your brain. I, yeah, I just have to comment on that. Um, he's already started writing the series. He's already got other episodes, and this pilot is, he's trying to get support and interest from people to, to try to, you know, build the groundswell to make the series. And um, I've read some of the other episodes, and everything in this pilot is intentional and significant, down to the posters on the wall, 
and the little random person you see walking by in the street, like everyone's connected, everyone has a purpose and it all gets tied in more and more. So this episode just sets everything up and then it gets more interesting. That's the best when you leave little Easter eggs in there, right? And then, cause then as you get later on down in there, you go, wait a second, did I? And then you rewatch it, you go, oh, wait a second. They were, they were leaving that little breadcrumb so long ago. And now here we see that. Yeah, Pat connects everything. And for what he was able to do the, do this for, I think the budget was about 50. And so we were able to get everything done, which I mean, very, very high quality. That's crazy. Yes. Cause there were all so many settings. And, you know, so many settings, stuff. so many places, so many actors. Um, uh, episode two's really, I mean, everything that you question in episode one, like episode two is actually really good. Episode three, I mean, every single one gets better and better. And it's kind of like a, a lot of really good series uh, that are like one of my favorite is The Blacklist, where you learn something every single episode, but it ties back to other episodes. Um, Pat has worked really, really hard on this. As a matter of fact, the tattoo that he has on his back, his daughter drew. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. The Chain and, of Life, that was great. Yes, and uh, and also the uh, he designed that, that last door that, that locked open and is the, the books, book shelf that moved. Um, he actually designed that and built that himself as well. I was like, wow, that's pretty pretty amazing. It's cool. I liked how it intercutted, like with the with the guys getting into the car, and it would cut to the one guy going <laughs> with the w w you know turning on the radio, but then it would cut to the other dude in the car, and you're thinking, okay, okay, something's going to happen here. And what I thought was cool is that you didn't see the accident; you only saw the aftermath of the accident. You saw before and after. <laughs> they they basically said everything about the project and you know how great Pat is and everything, uh, but I don't know if I can say this. Do it. I don't know if I can say anything. But so there's a missing scene in this. Y'all of course wouldn't know that because you don't have the script. But anyways, so my character, um, I was supposed to play football, right? Yeah, I was supposed to play football because I say, if you remember in the dynasty, I say I gotta get to my game. I was on my way to my football game, but because of the hurricane, um, the stadium that we had set, um, everything was set back for like two days or whatever, and then the day we were supposed to film there, the, the, the person who owned the stadium kind of like backed out at the last minute, so we couldn't shoot any of that stuff. Uh, so, yeah. You know, you could have totally just completely invented a scene <laughs> You know, that, that nobody would have any yeah. sort of, you know, no one would have been able to say, well, you're lying, you know. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, there's this there's a superhero that falls from the sky and, you know, he grants him this magic amulet. You could have made up something. So how do we know that's real? You will see it in episode two. I love it. Yeah, there you that's go. great. There you go. Uh, so you're the guy, you're the guy who was stealing this stuff, right? Yeah. See, I was the guy stealing stuff. I thought uh, it was so great. Those were great scenes, right? They think you're, you're the... They think you're like this hero. You're coming up there. You're going, oh yeah, I got your wallet, and then it makes me think, oh cool. What's the what's the rest of the path with that guy? Yeah. Is he, you know, what what are the interactions like with those other people? Mm. So I can't tell you much, mm -hmm. but like I said, you'll see more as the series goes on. Uh, like he said, everything's interconnected. Uh, everybody in the story is an actual puzzle piece of the entire story. It's it's crazy. So. As more as the more we do more episodes and everything like that, the more you'll find out and learn. Yeah, and and you you obviously get the picture of this this chess match between my character and and, and Terry's character, um, and all of those those pieces that are interconnected. Like, it's like 
they're playing dominoes like with each other and like they're trying to tip things this way and the other person's trying to tip them that way and that this whole world is like just a constant little like pinball game of like you know popping things in different in different directions so that starts to come well and, the, and then you wonder what's the deal with that guy because he gets shot in the head you know and then there he just is you know so you're wondering what's going on with that guy and then you're wondering what the heck is the you know what are, what are you up to what's your character up to and all the all the nefarious activities you know what's the job he wants for you i mean there's so many questions and it's great because it makes you you know to leave that cliffhanger it makes you wonder I gotta, you know, I gotta tune into the rest of these. Yeah, and I love that that Pat really took a naturalistic approach to, to how he starts it. That it just kind of, at the beginning, you don't really. It could be any simple, you know, contemporary drama, and at the end, we start to realize like there's something more going than 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 just natural. And then in the second episode, you it just builds from there. So it it, it really starts that you just kind of keep going like, well, oh wow, this is getting like weirder and weirder kind of thing. Um, so it it really starts to amp up and. Um, I think uh, I just yeah hope he hope he can get to well, the rest of it soon. Yeah. Whenever um, he and I were were uh, on phone calls and texts uh, before we ever started filming, and uh, one of the things I told him after reading uh, the first two episodes, I thought I said, Pat, I gotta say this is an expensive show. Just so you know, he goes, Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> and so to be able to do the series, what it really needs, it it needs a lot more money to be able to make it the I mean some of the scenes that he has written some of the but the way that he was able to shoot and be able to get the idea across and that's kind of like what you were alluding to earlier of what happened you know basically taking a uh, a scene that might cost ten thousand dollars and making it five hundred or a thousand or whatever you know um, just what he was able to do with uh, with the story and uh, and, I, and he was like yeah, I know. And and the crazy thing also is that he created that character years ago um, for something else. And he I think he's only been acting maybe six or seven years. From, you guys interact with old. each other great. I mean, it was a great ensemble. Yeah, it's like six or seven years that he's only been acting. And, uh, and he wrote this, produced this, directed this, and so. It's really cool. I liked how he walked into the bookstore, they got, you know, I almost felt like the guy who said, oh, no, no, the owner's not here. I thought maybe he was the owner at first. You know, and then I wondered, okay, what kind of information did he discover on the internet about this gold coin? And and why did he seem so scared? You know, it's like, he seemed scared. Like, okay, I got to give this back to this guy. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And then you're wondering, why didn't he say anything to the, well, I'll just call him like the vampire guy, uh, to Terry. Um, like, why didn't he say something to him about that specific coin? Why didn't he say, like... But then again, maybe Terry knew exactly who the guy was. So well, they 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 held on the screen just a little bit. What and it was talking about the pirates' peril coin oh. that it was cursed by Satan himself. Oh. And so it's he's cool. like, "I want to get this out of here. Here, you take this. No, no, no. I don't want anything for it." And so he he really wanted to get rid of it, and unfortunately, it uh, had detrimental circumstances that happened later. Well, this is so cool. Thank you guys so much for coming out, and thank all you guys for supporting these guys. Because it takes a lot of guts to make a movie. And it really, it's a big deal to have people there to encourage you. So uh, I'm going to set up some lights in case you guys want to take any photos over here. Cool. All right? Thank you guys so much for coming out to Kapow and being a part of this.
Holy cow. Any of the filmmakers here and or actors? You see an actor right there. Why don't you guys come on up here? I'm gonna ask you guys some questions. That's an intense block. That's intense. Go ahead and grab that. If you could stand on the end there, I'm gonna have you pass that around to these fellas. Holy cow. Okay, sir, go ahead and uh, introduce to us uh, your name and what project you worked on. I'm Frank Moeller. I was the producer and editor on Breaking News. Hi, Greg Gregory, actor in Breaking News. Hi, John Proctor, and I was writer and producer for Faith Ties. Ariel Miona, actor for Breaking News. Okay, so why don't you start, Miss? Why don't you start? Um, so how did you how did you come across these guys? Uh, well, I went to the same university as Frank and Barrett, so pretty much that. <laughs> I think it's one of the great spectacular things. You know, you, you form these relationships, you form yeah. your tribe, in a lot of times in college. And I think right. what's exciting is that when you when you stick together, you have no idea what kind of magic you can create later on. Absolutely, I didn't go the same time as these guys though, so it was pretty cool because when I moved to Los Angeles, we have like a really great alumni system. It's beautiful because you know you had a family when you arrived, yeah, right? You know absolutely. that you tap into that, and it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut right there. You you know you already got that rapport yeah. because you went you went through that boot camp, so to speak. So to speak. Yeah. So what what kind of uh, what kind of other projects are you currently working on? Um, currently, I do a few projects with my friends. Um, nothing that is in the works as far as um, other film festivals, except for this one, of course. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, nothing at the moment. Just. Along. Very good. Why don't you pass it on to that gentleman? Now, sir, um, how long did it take for you to shoot that film? Uh, we actually shot that um, in one night, um, and um, uh, but then, of course, the uh, the editing and all the other stuff that went with it, you know, uh, took us a, a couple weeks to. Um, you know what I find it interesting about each of these projects is that they really utilized a, a limited amount of space. You know, even in that German one, it was really basically that barn and maybe outside. You know, um, you guys at Breaking News, bam, right there in the house. You were outside. Did you have to get permits for that? Uh, oh, we, we should have gotten permits, but no, we did not. This um, is another one of those success stories where guerrilla filmmaking gets, right. you know, it, it works, it's magic. No, we, we had a really great um, uh, art director who addressed the set. And if you would see the, uh, the parking lot where we shot that, it was actually very pristine. And uh, so they dressed it up to look that way and we, and we kept it in one small corner of the parking lot. And, uh, and so that's, that's all just one parking lot um, in a little section of it that they dressed to look That like. is incredible. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's in a parking lot. Yeah. That's movie magic right there. Yeah. Now, you, you were also the writer of that? Yes. And where, yes. where did you get that inspiration? Um, so the main inspiration for that came from my love of a film. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I grew up watching that film uh, every year. And so I was inspired by that. But I just really wanted to be able to tell a story that had that kind of feel to it. But during the time that, that was made, of course, black actors weren't utilized in Hollywood in that way. So I wanted to kind of tell um, something that had that feel, but also had uh, um, an African-American cast being able to, to, you know, to tell the story. So would you say the angel got his wings? 
the angel gets his wings. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I like how it's mysterious because you're wondering, what, what, where's that guy? Is he who he says he is? And then he goes, well, that's the angel guy who lives down the way. And you're going, well, maybe that guy. You know, so you kind of put these little question marks in the audience's brain, which is which, awesome. Absolutely. That's what we wanted to do, yes. I like that. That's that's pure showing without telling. I think that's great. Could you pass the microphone on to this gentleman? You did a great job as the newscaster. Oh, thank you very much. Returning champion. It's great to see you acting again. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you very Last much. time we saw you, you were, uh, you, were, you directed a project. Yeah, yeah I was, uh, yeah, years ago. Jeff Fine Lady appeared in. Yes, she produced as well, yeah. So that, so that was part of a, what, 48-hour film festival? Yes, I can have Frank speak more to that. Uh, that was a, yeah, 40, uh, I'll, 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 Frank, you go ahead and say it. Uh, yeah, no, uh, my filmmaking partner and I, who couldn't be here because he was working, um, uh, we've been doing the 48-hour film project for the past 16 years. Uh, this wow. We, we, we have retired. Who knows if we'll go back to it or not. But uh, this was the last one we did. And uh, so, yeah, the entire, the entire thing was uh, conceived of, written, shot, and edited uh, in 48 hours. This, this is a slightly cleaned up version than what was done at 48 hours, but still, you know, probably 30, or, or uh, sorry, 52 hours or something. <laughs> Incredible. So how does it actually start? I mean, what time do you show up in the morning, like 4 a.m. and like, okay, go ahead and start making something? Uh, so the process is uh, at 7 o'clock on Friday night, uh, everyone convenes uh, and draws genres out of the act. Uh, we drew Generation Gap, um, which may not be obvious from it, but... Uh, um, and then we have our team of writers and uh, some key production people like all assembled and they start uh, plugging away at it. Uh, and then the next morning we start shooting and, and because of certain limitations with uh, there, there were some things that happened on that uh, <laughs> in the middle of the night on that one. So uh, we had to do some quick casting, uh, like recasting changes and we wrapped by I think four o'clock because I think you had to go to work. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then I edited overnight, and we tweaked, and our amazing composer uh, wrote the music in uh, like a couple of hours at the end, and turned it in at 7 o'clock on Sunday night. And this is at the film festival, if I'm understanding this correctly? It's like a film festival? Uh, it's or a, is this just like a challenge? It's, it's a film project. Like, all of them do end up screening. Have they, like, if, if you get it turned in, they get to screen. So it's a, a festival in that way, but it is mostly just a challenge. So you're saying you had to recast? I mean, are, are you so like we, wandering we, around this space looking for, oh, you're, you're an actor, right? Yeah, come oh, on. Well, no, we, uh, we had our team already built, and uh, one of our actresses had to drop out at the last minute. Um, what did and, you do? Uh, we elevated Ariel from uh, from being on the news team to uh, to being the uh, the mother, uh, the wife of this situation. So, okay, so I'm trying to understand. So I'm, trying to picture, <laughs> I'm just trying to picture it in my brain, like, were, were you at the at the same thing that he's talking about here, the 48? Our um, film. How did so, you find your? I mean, how did that happen? I know you went to school. I was for already on board. So, so we all make our we all put our teams together ahead of time, mm. uh, and the majority of our team was either back at our director's house waiting to write the script, or on call uh, at their own homes. Uh, okay. So, okay. So, so once you we have... draw our genres, we all disperse from the the kickoff area, uh, and then do our own things. And so at midnight, one of our actresses had to drop out. Uh, knowing that Ariel had a work conflict, uh, she was going to have a smaller role, and then we were like, well, Ariel's going to be the wife now, and we... I love that flexibility. Yeah. I love that flexibility, because you really, you really got to trust each other to go, okay, well, we got to create this thing, and here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
it's a great attempt. What I want to know is, okay, so, because I mean, it, the, the color correction looked really good. I mean, and, and the, uh, and then we see the footage of you on the television. So, how, so you just had an editor just right there, like doing, yeah. oh, yeah, so you edited it. I, I produced and edited it. So, so you, I didn't sleep for the most part. So <laughs> you edited while you were asleep, basically, right? Yeah. But, uh, so basically, uh, so you used the computer graphics just within that 48 hours to, to emblazon him on the screen? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, we are, one of our writers who actually lives in Ohio uh, is a comic book artist. So he did some of the, uh, the like lower third graphics and stuff. And honestly, that's one of the things that we, that we tweaked up a little bit uh, after the 48 hour process. Like we made, we made his bit look a little bit better, but it still wasn't pretty good. Gotcha. Well, I liked how it was like a, you. It, it it leaves this question mark in your brain, and it's never told. You're just kind of going. Here you go, audience. We're gonna go ahead and let you just think about that, and we'll let you kind of figure out what may or may not be going on. That that was kind of the hope. And honestly, from the scripting through even like the screening at 48, we got a number of different responses as to what they thought had happened. Um, they, you know, people thought that she, the shooter. People thought that she had gone into. You know, save the school. There was like a number of different responses. Like obviously, I I know what I think happened. But, yeah, oh, wait, wait, but we liked just... the idea that that like people could have their, could bring yeah. their own feelings towards uh, gun violence or you know, school shooting that sort of thing to it, or just their own interpretation to it. Well, it's cool, just like with faith ties. You know, there, it was one of those kinds of things, slightly a Twilight Zone episode of sorts, where it, you know there's that little twist ending, and you're not giving really an answer though to it. Like the, the ending of yours, it reminded me of like a, this one Black Mirror episode that I saw where you don't know who shot who or what was going on. And uh, I think that's what I appreciate. I, and I love seeing all the, all, the various, all the various interpretations of how they want to create their films. And it must be exciting to be able to see it up on a big screen when you're so used to seeing it on a little tiny laptop, you know, or who knows where. Is this your first screening? Uh, for us, uh, we premiered at the, uh, well, I, we, Screening an early cut at 48. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Then, that's right. Uh, we were in the Pasadena Film Festival, the National Film Festival, uh, back in March. Uh, but this is the second uh, screening of the past time. Now, are we going to have a sequel to Faith Ties, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know. Um, uh, oh, yeah, if you can hand it. Oh, yeah, that, that actually is just five minutes of a feature length script. Ah. We shot that as a proof of concept. So uh, uh, we're looking to get the budget to shoot the rest of the film. So that's just a snippet. That's cool. I can imagine there's probably a whole journey there with the homeless guy that we didn't even see. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out. Thank you so much for commingling with each other and, and uh, being a part of this whole uh, shenanigan. Thank you for thank you. So, you know being a part of this. Barrett, real quick, do you have any projects coming up? Oh, um, nothing in production, but I'm always working on things. Pre-production writing, a couple things, and probably gonna loop in as many of people as I can. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you guys so much. So next year, next year you'll see stuff. Good. And also, I'll set up the lights over here in case you want to take some photos before the next uh, block begins. Thank you guys. We're going to do a Q&A if you guys are okay with that. Sure. I saw, I, I saw just a whole gang of you guys walking in. Are, are, is every person in the uh, audience part of this movie? Why don't you come on up here? We're going to do a Q&A with you wise guys. 
And you get to pass around the uh, cordless, the wireless mic too. Okay. Yeah, come on down. Oh, that's my clone. We figured out how to clone me in a basement somewhere. So, uh, wow, man. You know, you guys are after my own heart. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of experimentation. And uh, the fact that you keep throwing the red cola in there. You know, and I saw all you guys with the, uh, or red soda. How did you guys afford ILM to do those amazing CGI effects? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, um, they did it on a lunch break. They just on a lunch break? Yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. All right, that's all. Thank you guys for coming out. Um, you know, I thought it was amazing how just, it was so, you're just up there talking about, like, this is so convolutedly awesome because you could, there's just so much philosophy going on in there. And, uh, you know, sometimes I was like, okay, this is like modern day Shakespeare because we got, we got this philosophy happening in there. And then we got, you know, these people who are, are they imaginary or are they real? Are they just from another dimension? Right. Um, and then you got all this great foreshadowing that just loops right back around. Um, how long did it take for you to make this thing? We, uh... A month and a half? About? How much? About like a month and a half? Six, six yeah. Months. Yeah, this is, uh, in the last year, we have now done, um, what, uh, three features in a short? Yeah, we're, yeah. uh, we, we're like a short. So you're prolific, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Where do you guys live? Uh, Seattle area. Seattle area. Yeah, no, this one, um, the script probably was in process in uh, dribs and drabs for about six months. But mm -hmm. then, uh, I like your vocabulary, by the way. <laughs> dribs and drabs. Yeah, and then uh, once it uh, was tightened up, uh, we started filming, and uh, everyone just, we kind of fall into a, let's get it done. We, we all work for a living in various jobs, so it is a, rather than a, playing fantasy football or going off and doing something, it's, hey, let's make a movie. Why not become the media? Yeah, no, right? right, exactly. And I mean, it's fantastic that uh, what you're capable of with digital, but uh, having really, really talented friends and the willingness to to put in the time, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's, I, well, I'm a talented person to write the script. No. He, he no. Specifically, like, not even knowing who he's putting in mind, but like I know that with the last film that I was in, yeah. you had it perfectly to me exactly who I was yeah. supposed to be and what I was like, mindset was at the time, you write characters for us. specifically yeah. for us, and you yeah. do such a good job of saying, wow, this is exactly why he's gonna be good, this is exactly why he's gonna be good. Yeah. So I mean, it's really all credit to him. Yeah. So real quick, hold on a second. Let me, let me just let you guys spread out so these, these oh. fine people can see all your faces. Yeah. So, um, okay, so you, you write the characters specifically for these guys because you know that they they can pull off these uh, exactly. these characters. And that's a the script. Uh, this is our uh, fourth feature, and uh, this one was probably the uh, where it really kind of opened up, and that was having the confidence of, wow, everyone can do just about anything, so why not? Uh, Go, go with it. Well, especially when you got masks, because then you can have anybody be any mask at any time. It's like, oh, Joe can't show up today. Uh, Mike, you ready to be in the mask today? You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, that is true. There's uh, uh, the one that we just completed has uh, a lot about masks and- I'm a huge fan of masks. Yeah. I got some in my backpack out there, actually. Yeah, and uh, just uh, to totally be a geek for a moment, uh, the name Fripp uh, ties in one of the other ways you can look at it. The character Blank Frank. There's a Brian Eno song called Blank Frank, Ooh. and you can follow that character as an idea of a conceptual Brian Eno showing up in some someone's life and 
sort of being cryptic and pushing them further into what they think they probably need to do. Mm -hmm. So it just, but uh, there's multiple versions and I, I like the idea that uh, uh, you can watch the film on a simple get drunk with your friends and have laughs or if you wanna look a little deeper, there's uh, some some tidbits under there. Yeah, Ellen Watson would get a big kick out of it. Lord knows we were getting drunk making it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where a lot of the budget is. I was like, just going to say, yeah. it seems like a lot of the budget went to that. Yes. Rainier. Yeah, this Rainier. guy, he's filming the Hawaiian shirt. I kept thinking, someone just woke him up to do his parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every scene. Yeah, like, oh, is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Seen this thing. Yeah, well, he was just, was just in the head. So. There you go. Yeah. We all had the red soda. I yeah. saw that when you walked in. Yeah. Yeah. I love all it. All the films. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, and I was wondering, you know, I saw like phone numbers on the refrigerator. If I were yeah, to call those, would those lead somewhere? Uh, one was me, one was him, and then that was uh, Bill's cell phone. Yeah. I, uh, so, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 that was uh, my kitchen, and uh, it shows my <laughs> attention to detail that I did not take that off. The refrigerator. <laughs> it's perfect when it gets distributed. You got your, your psychotic fans who are going to be giving you calls. You know, you get the heavy breathing at night. Yes, uh, I'm uh, a little wary of where that's going to end up. and. Uh, but that'll be uh, something that maybe I can figure out how to digitally blur. Well, yeah, well it's all part of the charm. It's all yeah. part of the charm. Yeah. Can you uh, can you pass it down yes. to this fellow, please? Because we have to. I have. We have like ten minutes okay. here. They told me to crunch it, and you know I'm famous for doing like half an hour Q and A's. Yeah. So I. We, I'll, I'll be real brief. This is Father Max. Yeah. Caller four over here. What is your question this afternoon? Yeah, let's pass it on. Thank you for blessing us, Father. You're not going to piss all over these seats here, are you? I relieve myself before the movie. Well, that's good. I'm so glad we invited the voice of God to this. There it is. There it is. Oh, no. Zodiac doesn't have anything else to say. But I like that one. All I know is I am a cop. I'm a cop. I'm yeah, a cop. cop, 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 cop. <laughs> you're the you're the one with the with the curly hair, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, that was a wig that was supposed to be for a Mexican drug cartel, as it said, the Oktoberfest. But in one of the magazines, they just thought I was a drag the entire time. So I was just like, the magazine was like, yeah, just running around a drag the entire time. I'm like, no, I was dressed up in flavor hosen. Yeah, well, and maybe there's a side story that you're in a reggae band or something. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Uh, no, I just want to say thank you, Bill. This has been an honor to like, work with him wow. as long as I have. Sitting on his front lawn, drinking beer, yeah. filming yeah. the short called White Van. You know, we've come a long way and we yeah. still have more material coming out, which, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get some more, you know, credibility but you know this has been fun la is cool i am uh, having a blast is this your first time out here yes it is your holly weird experience no, I, I love it I, you brought the weird to holly weird so yeah, thank you for blessing us with that absolutely i appreciate that are you wearing a red soda shirt as well no no that's fine that's fine can you pass it on to this guy please now what, what was your was your we've well, got at the end who was in the oh i was with frank up there Oh, you were playing character, absolutely. Um, That's right, the I just want to let everybody know, whatever you do, do never drink a lager and eat copious amounts of cool whip. <laughs> That's all I got yeah. for you. Because, right. yeah. like, I feel bad for the cleanup in that way. I was going to say, I'm sure there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. that didn't make it into the film concerning yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but thanks again for all coming out tonight, guys.
Yeah, that's we, we very carefully covered the Cold Whip logo with duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Well, it, very it, good. Was, it, was, it was packing tape. Oh, packing tape. Okay. You know, we, we've got a lot of people that have supported us through these six films. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to the Phantom of the Videoscope. Uh, he's written up our last three movies and uh, cool. given us three out of four stars each time. And, that's just an honor. Like you know what, us uh, surrealists, we got to stick together, don't yeah, we? Yes, yeah. yeah, we've been blessed. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to know. This is, this is another question I had. Did were you were you all able to wrap your brain around what really was going on? I have no idea what happened. <laughs> uh, so it's like Big Lebowski. Each each viewing, you get another piece of. It, it took me till the seventh time watching it till I got it. Yeah. Was that while you were drunk or not drunk? No, not drunk. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you're you're spouting all this like uh, cosmic wisdom, and you, you you pretty much didn't know what hey, you were saying. If, if the lines are parallel, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Right, yeah. Man, you guys are, are just a barrel of monkeys. Thank you so much for coming out and being a part of this. Thank you. I also recorded this. I'm recording it on my podcast. Oh wow! Called Inspirato Projecto. So I'll, once that link is up, it'll go up onto the Kapow Facebook cool. page. You can pass that link around. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you for coming out. Thank you. Who knows? Maybe uh, we'll see you next year because we'll put our next in. Please. Uh, please do that. I want to see the uh, the movie. Uh, it's the... House in the Middle of Nowhere. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, you got me with no CGI. So. <laughs> with any luck, I won't die in this one. Thank you guys for coming out. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, one and all, for coming out to Kapow. Thank you guys so much for uh, bringing in your films. How many of the filmmakers are in the audience? Why don't you come on down here? I'm going to ask you guys some questions about these, these masterpieces we've seen on the screen today. There you go. You guys can pass this around. Okay, so sir, uh, introduce, uh, let everybody know what your name is and what which one you worked on. Okay, uh, you, what song is it for? Sorry. Uh, Do you have a statement that you're going to read from yes, somebody? Um, oh. No, uh, um, yeah, my name's Rajan Sharma. I uh, wrote and directed the Inferno Monologue Roosters Challenge. Um, yeah. Um, um, so well, what inspired you to, to make that? Well, you know, it's funny because um, the film itself wasn't really supposed to be anything other than a concept piece. It was supposed to be a proof of concept put out there on Indiegogo or GoFundMe just for a bigger project I was looking to do. Uh, the problem was that once I finished it, I just lost the passion to actually make the shorter version of what I was going to make. But, you know, my actress who you just saw on screen, uh, absolute sweetheart and um, really hard work and she just said you know what we put the time and effort to do this why don't you just really lease it out there anyway it was like okay um finally like i was kind of adamant but i was like yeah okay fine i'll, I'll do it. just get it out there um managed to get it to three festivals and when i got the email for this i was like sorry what that hold on that film going to Kapow? Like, like what like, like i couldn't believe it but no, completely over the moon. But um, in terms of the inspiration for the whole thing, 
Um, yeah, a few years ago, I just wrote the, the Divine Comedy by Dan Salagari and John Milton's Paradise Lost. And, you know, um, yeah, it was just really interesting period for me. It was just like, well, what is it to be human? You know, um, you know what are our concepts in terms of just faith and religion and all sorts of other stuff, but just be creative with it because, I mean, I don't want to get too religious or anything, um, but I don't think most people are very literal in terms of their beliefs. I think maybe the most common that people probably are. Um, not, not that there's, I'm not a politician, so I'm not going to say anything, but um, yeah, it's just something I just thought, I just wrote and just got out there and thought, you know what, I could make, probably make this a sort of thing, but yeah, it just turned out okay as it was. Well, I like to think it's pretty important that if, if you put the effort into creating a project, you might as well allow other people to see that, right? It's not going to yeah. do any good hiding it in a vault someplace. Yeah. Because now you're offering all these people to be, you know, inspired by this. Maybe they're going to, uh, you know, see some Shakespearean monologue and they decided they want to do something similar. I mean, especially when you shoot in one location, there's a lot of creativity that can happen in just one location. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm part of the mindset part of the belief that, you know, the limitations you have actually make you more creative and being able to just use those limitations instead of just a blanket of just money or resources, I think it does help you um, because if you are given everything, I mean, I think you get kind of lazy with that and by the way, I don't really have an option of having like 20 million pounds to play with anyway, I'm not rich in any shape and form, it's actually cost me a lot of money to be here today. But um, yeah, um, I think... You're creatively rich. Yeah, well that's it, no, yeah, you're right though. Um, yeah, just being creatively, creatively rich, I like, I like that, I might say that. Um, but yeah, I think it's more important to tell a good story within the frame lines rather than what visual effects you use or what camera you're using. I think a lot of people, especially indie filmmakers, would get obsessed with that, but mm -hmm. I think more than anything, it's just telling the, telling the story. That's very true. Can you hand that microphone over to this yeah, young sure. man right here? Sir, uh, introduce yourself and what project you worked on. I'm Yoni Ron. I wrote and directed Vanessa Atalanta. So it was the second film. That was cool, man. Oh, that was really cool. I like the fact it was black and white and you added some animation to it. Thank you. Yeah. That was really cool. Do you, do you know those children? Or are you really like, hey, want to be in a movie? Want to be in a movie? Uh, actually, we cast it. We cast it in you Rome. casted them? Yeah, yeah, we casted it. They had a really good rapport with each other. Yeah, we worked with them a lot. Actually, with, again, he was also Vanessa and also. We worked with the act with the kid actors a lot. Before. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. What now? Do you get permits for something like that, or or are they just kind enough to just kind of let you shoot around in those areas? You need permits. I'm not saying that we got them, but <laughs> yeah, you need. Permits. I always consider that a success story when a guerrilla yeah. filmmaker can get away yeah. with it. Well, I mean, I had a lot of people that owed me favors there, and basically knew the rules well enough to bend them. Mm -hmm. So it's like I'm in New York, you know, you have the three points on the ground or whatever. So every city has its limitations that you know how to weasel yourself through. Where, where was that shot? Where was it in shot? Rome. Oh, it was shot in Rome. Yeah, yeah. Is that where you're from? Did you fly out from Rome? Uh, no, I'm from Israel, uh, but I live here now. Yeah. So, okay, so how long did it take for you to shoot that? We shot that in three days. Three, three days? Two days. <laughs> you yeah. worked you worked three months while on rehearsals yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. 
getting the kids learning their lines. That was hard. We had to really. What do you do with the little kids getting to learn their lines? You just put it into a tape recorder and you go, okay, just listen to this, repeat after this. Actually, we had the, well, the working, first of all, you have to work with the parents because you need to gain the trust of the parents before. Mm -hmm. And we had, I mean, not really the skate stuff in the film, but the whole story of it is, you know, a bit. Well, just stealing, you know, kids stealing stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. probably why I didn't put it in the family friendly block because right. I didn't want to inspire little kids. <laughs> However, that would have been a great lesson. My friend Nicole was just telling me, she's like, you know, in those countries, that's kind of what happens. That's kind yeah. of what happens. You know, yeah. those kids are like, well, we're hungry, and we, well, let's, yeah, so you know, I, we're, a, we're a little superhero team now. Yeah. we got to go get some food. So I, I lived in Italy for a while, and for me, what was always crazy was going into Rome, you first go kind of through the slums, and you see how maybe, you know, everyone always sees Rome as like the marble and gold. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to kind of portray something a bit different from that area. So really, if you come in, and you go coming from like uh, the periferia or something, and you see, you know, a lot of how people really live there. So I really wanted to portray that. Yeah. It was great, and plus I like the the metaphor of the whole thing. Thank you. There she is. She grows up. Now she's 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 a she's a housekeeper, exactly. right? And here comes the centaurs. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it was really it. it was really cool, man. <laughs> Thanks, it was yeah. really cool. It was and very it, sorry. Yeah. Well, very just very philosophical. Thank you. Yeah, the idea is to have this as volume one and then continue it volume two and three because the real Atalanta myth she has a few chapters in her life that would be great to portray and maybe in different realities or different places to show how like the continuation throughout the centuries that's fantastic yeah. well thank you guys for coming out thank, thank so you much. so much for being a part of it. thank you guys for coming out and giving them support and then uh, you can take some photos over here I'm gonna set yeah. up the lights for you guys for sure thank you guys for coming thank out you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really love the film. Oh, thank you so much. Or I'll take that.